around that same time is when I started doing some regional theater, um, which was such a world-changing experience for me because it was the first time being surrounded by that many professionals and realizing like, oh, this is a thing. I was uh, at a show with my partner and for some reason at the end of the performance, I turned to her and I was like, before the end of the year, I'm gonna be on someone's Broadway stage. Two days before my birthday, I realized I had a missed call from my agents. Called back and, and they were like, hey, we've got everybody on the line. I want you to hear something. I was like, all right. There was a moment of silence and then it just goes, then someone, you know, it's like, oh, also, you know, Vincent, he's Simba in The Lion King. And I can literally feel the room go like. Hey guys, I've got a quick request. Could you subscribe, like, and comment if you like the content we're making? It's really important to support the channel and carry on having great guests like we've had. So subscribe, like, comment. Very important. Thank you. Thanks for accepting that. It's um, really appreciate it. Obviously, I've got a lot of questions to ask you um, about The Lion King, but I would like uh, to ask you a lot of questions also about uh, your background and everything. Yeah. Where you're from. So can you introduce yourself the way you would like to be introduced, please? Uh, Yeah, my name is Vincent Jamal Hooper. Um, I'm an actor and artist uh, here in the United States. And uh, pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, yeah, yeah. First question, is Jamal Hooper your real surname? Uh, well, or... yeah, so uh, Jamal's my middle name. Uh, and yeah. yeah, Hooper is my real... Yeah, there's no there's no stage okay. name <laughs> happening. Yeah. Because, no, because you... Um, the first time we spoke, obviously, you can... We don't, can talk about it more, but you said you played basketball and football. I did, and I thought, yeah. Is yeah. it... Is it a stage name that you found <laughs> no, because of no, no. passion for basketball? <laughs> no, but I did. I did play up the fact that my last name was Hooper when I played basketball. I would definitely sort of, you know, point yeah. to the jersey every time I made a basket. It's pretty cool, but there's a lot of responsibility <laughs> as well on the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, where 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 are you from, and um, um, how did you get into musicals? Yeah, so I'm from. Uh, Round Rock, Texas. I usually say Austin, Texas, because that's where I spent a large amount of my um, childhood because uh, I was doing theater and stuff like that. But um, yeah, grew up in Round Rock, Texas um, to parents who were uh, military veterans turned pastors. I'm the youngest of five kids. And um, yeah, like I, you know, like you mentioned, I had been playing sports for a little while football and basketball and then there was a you know a game where i i don't know if i can say i got injured but it just had a a, a situation happen where i was like you know had to sort i i found myself reevaluating my uh interest in the in the in the game um and so I, I quit playing sports and uh, i was filling out my you know electives for my 8th grade year and, um, yeah, I was just like, you know, I'll take this, I've taken everything else. So I was like, I'll take whatever theater one is and whatever this musical theater thing is. Had no idea. And, um, I got into it and we did Annie, the musical, uh, and I played Rooster Hannigan. And there was a, a night where 
at the end of rehearsal, um, the woman who choreographed the show, who then actually went on to be my high school uh, theater teacher, she stopped rehearsal and was like, everybody, you need to look at Vincent and what he's doing. Because he's in a whole other show than everyone else. And da, 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 da. And I was like, I was like, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Um, because also, like, I had no idea what it even meant to be good at theater. I was just like, I, I'm just doing what y'all told me to do. You memorize your lines. You walk over here. You sing that, you know. Um, yeah. And so then uh, fast forward a bit and I'm in 10th grade now at this point and I've, I've transferred high schools. Sorry, um, 10th grade, what, what age is it? Um, um, that's about 16. Okay. Somewhere around there. Yeah. So I, I, you know, joined the theater program there where she is now the, you know, the primary theater teacher. And um, yeah, just that's when it sort of starts to really, the ball starts to roll a bit. I did, uh, I played Rin in Footloose. Um, and it was like, you know, all of the, and, and, you know, like junior year was Sky Masterson and Guys and Dolls and, around that same time is when I started doing some regional theater, um, which was such a world changing experience for me because, um, it was the first time being surrounded by that many professionals and realizing like, Oh, this is a thing. Like, you know, I'm like, wait, so they flew you down from New York city to be the lead in this show. And it's like, and you're coming in, you know, like, you know, all the music already. And like, and I was just like, oh, like, there's like a dedication and a craft and a, a real underpinning to this, um, which then that changed the way I approached my shows in high school. So I was like, oh, I'm going to come in off book and I'm going to come in, you know, ready to play. Um yeah. And then, you know, like in doing that production regionally, like my name starts to kind of get around town. They're like, oh, there's this new young kid. And, you know, he's got some so talent. talented. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> they, they, yeah, folks start to talk. Um, and, you know, I end up doing a production of a show called Passing Strange. It's an amazing show. Um, it won the Tony Award for Best Book of Musical. Um, but yeah, I, I did that show. I ended up getting uh, an award for my performance. Um, and yeah, that, that was sort of like, that was my first time. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm playing the lead in a show. I'm getting paid to do that. You know, it's material that feels like so aligned with me um, that I feel so connected to. And so that was like me. And then like, you know, then getting the award, like I was like, oh, I think I could really do this. Like properly and so then you know i auditioned for or i actually didn't even audition for several schools i submitted to go to um this school called amda here in in the states um which is a performing arts college um and so i ended up getting into that school uh but i i was never really as enthusiastic about college as a lot of my peers were i mean like folks around me had quite literally Excel spreadsheets. Um, and it was like, you know, it's a whole, you know, you're like, Oh, like this is the name of the college. They need this kind of song. Uh, the monologue that's like a minute and a half. It's like, and that would be like 17 schools, you know? 
Um, and I was always like, you know, uh, uh. Um, and so I decided to not go. I took a gap year after uh, graduating high school. And um, yeah, I just kept kind of like working around. I think I really was interested in proving to myself that, because I was like, I, I've already realized that I can work in this industry. But I think, you know, that gap year, I was exploring the idea of like, do I enjoy it? Because, you know, when you're in high school, I'm like, that's, you're able to pretty much purely focus on just like the performance part of it. You know, you can, you're at your parents' house and you go to school. Like there's a lot of, there's a, a bit of a safety net there. And so I was like, okay, let me try this in like a real scenario where it's like, yeah, if I don't book this audition, I don't have any money. <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. And and so, uh, and also like learning to sort of enjoy that. Cause that is really, I think the vast majority of the lifestyle of an actor is like advocating for yourself, putting yourself out there, doing good work, sort of being, you know, your own business, uh, and auditioning. Um, so I, I had that time and I was like, okay, yeah, I think that I, I enjoy this lifestyle in addition to being able to actually work in this field. Um, and then I was like, let me try the college thing now just to kind of check and see like what maybe I missed or, you know, and I went and I feel like it was pretty early on that I realized that it was like not really aligned with me um and things i had already experienced um and, and i mean like and none of this was were was anything i was communicating outwardly but as it as it happened you know uh at the end of that year that i was there one of my professors um took me aside and <laughs> asked me why are you here and i was like uh <laughs> i don't no, um, because in their class, they had us keep a journal. And in my journal, uh, because just prior to joining uh, college, I had you know been up here and I did a showcase here in New York City. And so there was some degree of interest in me, you know, like agents reaching out and the public theater, you know, reached out about some like, and it was just like, there's people inquiring about me. And so my journal for that class was largely documenting a lot of the opportunities that I was like, that I missed or, you know, feelings I was having about like, I don't know, like, do I stay here or do I leave or yeah, you know, just the inner turmoil of all that. Um, and so, but all that to say, like through that conversation, I was like, okay, well, if this person is feeling that way, and if I'm feeling that way, and I think that's a sign from the universe that I need to go ahead and navigate my way um, out of this environment. And so I did and, um, you know, went back on the grind and was, you know, pounding the pavement, auditioning, working jobs, you know, uh, working as a performer. I would like to stop first because um, there's something, obviously, we, the first time we spoke, you talked about um, your passion for football and basketball. The other thing I want to know, and it's actually from uh, an American 
um, author, a guy called uh, David Epstein or Epstein, I don't know how you pronounce it, that talks about uh, deliberate practice. You seem to have a very innate talent, but has there been any hard work or any repetition of everything? Because, I mean, obviously I listen to you, you've got an incredible voice. Uh, And it's just, you know, to me, I'm very jealous thinking this is natural and there's no practice (laughs) behind it. But um, it's, it's um, um, it's definitely, certainly the truth. But has there been any hard work behind this and also can oh you talk about, uh, about football as well and, and basketball and um, let, let's we'll talk about it later but um yeah hard work yeah i mean that uh you know i think <laughs> I, I had a conversation with my therapist uh a while back and we sort of talked about how my uh internal system works which is that you know, it's like, yeah, I didn't go to school and all of those things, uh, at least didn't go to school for as long as most people usually do. And so, you know, there was a degree of imposter syndrome in me that always was like, oh, you're behind, you're behind. Everybody's, you know, 10,000 miles ahead of you. And so that would then cause me to work twice as hard, um, which when then would like put me in a position to be, you know, in a show or whatever, but then, you know, I'm surrounded by people who are, you know, it's like, oh, I went to Juilliard or oh, I went to that, whatever else. And so then like imposter syndrome kicks in. So it's like this internal system that it's like, oh, I, that was sort of the engine was that I always felt like, you know, I was like, yeah, by no means am I the most naturally talented person on planet Earth, even just in general, the most talented person on planet Earth. But I'm like, uh, I think one thing I always stuck by was that I'm like, oh, I'm always going to give myself the space and grace to grow though. And, and, you know, uh, other people may, you know, see me in this particular moment in this sliver of time and count me out because of whatever it is they're seeing right now. But for me, I'm like, Oh no, I'm thinking like, you know, a year from now, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, if we were to be running a race and, you know, I started, 17 paces behind you by the time you turn around again to look where i am i want yeah i'm like i'm like shoulder to shoulder you know like that's kind of the way that i approached it was i was like you know because uh we we don't know how much time we have right and so i'm like i i just have to get it done um and so you know a lot of my time in those productions was spent really you know keenly watching a lot of the folks who were veterans um, and seeing, you know, the choices they were making as actors, uh, watching, you know, their vocal mechanism and trying to figure out like, oh, that's how they're hitting that high note. That's how they're doing that thing. And then like uh, translating those things onto myself um, and experimenting with my own instrument and being like, okay, well, like what feels good for my voice? What feels natural? What, you know, um, yeah. So it was like, I mean, like my friends and I often talk about, uh, the discipline that we were able to cultivate rather early on, which I think has helped us all be where we are now. From when do you, would you say, when did you start to have that discipline? I'd probably say around like 17, age of 17. Uh, you know, it was like, 
Cause I, my, you know, my brain is also, uh, one where when I wasn't in rehearsal, I was thinking about how to find that notch above, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, yeah. Like I know my lines, I know, you know, my blocking and all this stuff, but like, how do I find that thing that, you know, uh, a mentor of mine said that you can be memorable or you can be unforgettable. And I'm like, that's sort of the the metric for me is I'm like, yeah, like I, I'm always trying to reach the level of unforgettable that it's like, once you've seen me do a thing, you know, that I, I want it to feel like, I want it to feel like you just watch someone do something impossible. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, like when people aren't looking, what are you doing to craft and mold that thing? This, the nuances, the minutiae, the elements of it that, you know, some people even watching it may not notice, but in an unconscious way, it'll probably feel. I'm like, oh yeah, that's where we're digging in. I'd really like um, meeting up in five, 10 years uh, for the podcast, hopefully, <laughs> if, I, yeah, if I'm yeah. still around. <laughs> and um, you may be uh, like, a, like a superstar or something like this. <laughs> like come I to mean, the US or you, you come to London, you're on, on tour in London and we just catch up and we do another episode. I'd love it. Say, oh. I'd love it. <laughs> Um, can we talk about football and, uh, and basketball? Um, yeah. Basketball, I've played a little bit, uh, but not like very seriously. There's more handball in France that's much, much bigger. I don't know if you, you have. Yeah. You play uh, yeah. I've been, I'm kind of familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty big in France and in Europe. Uh, but obviously, football is um, one of my favorite sports. How I heard in the US that is it's quite expensive to play football or to reach a high level uh, compared to Europe where it's very uh, affordable to play mm-hmm. and it's probably the mm-hmm. most affordable sports in, in Europe. How is it in the, in the US? Um, well, I think I was lucky in that um, I <laughs> I got out of sports before... I think the the time frame where it really the expenses really stack up, which is I think around you know like high school and on. Um, so I was playing at a relatively young age, maybe around like I don't know twelve, uh, eleven, somewhere around there. Um, but it was, I mean, like it was, uh, it was fascinating. I mean, I think that I I enjoyed the kind of practicality of it, you know, it's like, Oh, like, you know, we come in for, um, you know, conditioning for, I think it was probably like, I don't know, a few weeks out of the summer or something. And then, you know, it's like you sort of run your drills and learn all the plays and your position. And then you kind of just, you know, uh, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a team sport, right? So, uh, I think that's something that I, I learned from that experience that I then translate over to uh, what I do now is this idea of like a unified front, right? That it's like, oh, we all are here with our positions that we have been assigned to play. And the only way that we find success in its highest form is when everybody 
decides to play their position at a hundred percent every time. What position do you play in football? What's your main position? So, <laughs> um, my main position was running back, um, but because of my speed, they often would sort of, you know, oh, we're going to make you, you know, uh, a the wings. receiver or a safety or a linebacker. Like, just because <sighs> I was so fast. So even in like a defensive position, while I was not like the biggest kid on earth, because of my speed, I could compensate for that. <laughs> um, How yes. tall are you? In uh, now centimeters. I'm, oh, in centimeters. Oh, gosh. Say in, uh, in feet, I'll, I'll convert. I'll in Google. feet, I'm about 6'1", 6'2". I still can't convert. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in the UK for 10 years. <laughs> okay, yeah. We're about the same size. I'm a little <laughs> bit shorter than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. There's, there's all those... Always there's fast players who are really, really handy <laughs> Some <Yeah>. certain positions. <laughs> There's like, and, we need uh, something to happen. Uh, Vincent, get out there and just do something, you know, yeah. run. Cool. No, it's nice. Um, and uh, yeah, you play basketball. I mean, people, everybody plays back in basketball in the US, don't they? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. I was a bit of a showboat in uh, in those days, especially given my last name, like, Yeah, a lot of a lot of penalties were called on me for showing off. <laughs> and so, did you play more? Did you play more basketball or football? More, like equally both? Mm, I would say more football. I played uh, basketball was first, uh, and then my family moved uh, to a different city, and then I think that's when I started playing football. Um, but yeah, football was kind of my my thing for. A minute there i think that my if you had asked my dad and my grandpa at the time they were like oh he's definitely gonna like go pro um and i was never you know that into it is that that's the, that's the i think funny thing about it is that i'm like i was especially for my age like rather talented at at football but i wasn't passionate about it at all i was just kind of like I happen to be fast and I can memorize plays. Um, you know, <laughs> were you, do you feel you were more talented in basketball than football? Uh, no, no, definitely football. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and did you practice music, any instruments at all? Or were you singing a lot? Uh, when um, you were younger? You know, I, I took a piano class in high school. Uh, I was lucky enough that they, offered that course at the high school I went to. Um, I <laughs> haven't retained a ton of that information, though I'm currently in the process of trying to uh, teach myself uh, piano again because I've, I've um, started producing some music and alongside a, a, a music producer. And so like that's really helpful for um, creation of the demos for the songs that I've written Uh, just to get just some sort of foundation to communicate the idea of what it is that I hear in my own head. Um, but yeah, uh, I sang in the church choir for a little bit, um, mostly because my parents are pastors and that's kind of just what you do. Um, but yeah, like it wasn't, it wasn't until, you know, uh, joining theater that I, I think got more curious about my voice 
And I would, you know, more often than not, I think because I realized very quickly that singing high was where I was most comfortable. It's so like oftentimes I was listening to um, female music artists and singing along with them because I was just like, oh, that just feels cozier than trying to, you know, be in this like bassy baritone land. Um, and yeah, just kind of experimenting with different kinds of, you know, sing rock and R&B and gospel and country and just got playing around with things just to, uh, you know, cause my, given that, you know, there are five kids in my family, there was no real it's room in the budget. Family. Yeah. I'm like, it's right. It's a pretty big group. Uh, and so there's not really room in, a, uh, that budget to facilitate, you know, like, Oh, we're going to put Vincent into singing classes and dancing classes and acting. Classes. It's like, there's, that's not realistic. Because music is not subsidized in, in the U S. No, is that right? no, as far as I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had to get very creative about how I learned how to do this stuff. So it was a lot of like, you know, you hop on YouTube and you look up some of these, you know, legendary Broadway performers and you sort of key into what it is specifically about their performance quality that makes it, you know, a thing that people revisit again and again after decades. You know, you listen to different music artists and try and tune your ear into the musicality of what it is they're doing with their voice. Um, You know, figuring out like, oh, this is how you sort of like land center of the pitch you know you sort you know you can record yourself singing and then listen back to it and then just tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak i'm definitely more an advocate of just trying out things i've got two kids um and sometimes i don't want them to try things i just want them to do what i want them to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, you, you just remember that even yourself you you need to try out and it's okay to just just um not carry on, but at least try out, test things and uh, be curious and then dive into what you love. Um, Cool. So um, back to auditioning. Yes. After college. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. So after college, I, you know, kept going around and doing a production here, a production there, you know, like nothing uh, particularly crazy until um there was a production of this musical called in the heights that came into texas and the guy attached to direct and uh, choreograph his name is michael balderrama and he was at the time attached also to hamilton and i was like you know well i really want to be in that show i feel like i'm i'm suited for that material and so I was like, here's, here's my game plan. <laughs> um, I'm going to audition for In the Heights. I'm going to book the role of Benny is the character. Um, and then I'm going to sort of, you know, use that to showcase my work ethic and my talent and uh, try to open up a conversation about at least getting seen for, in the, for Hamilton. And uh, lo and behold, that's what ended up happening. Um, I, in, I'm in the show. I'm in that role. Uh, and I, you know, I didn't want to jump the gun. So I waited until we were in tech rehearsals, which is like right before we start performing. Um, and I took Michael out to lunch and I was like, you know, like, here's what I'm, I'm interested in 
doing Hamilton. Like, you know, what do you think? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> Does that oh, okay. Um, he was like, yeah, I've already been talking to some people about you and yada, yada, yada. So then he got me, you know, uh, I got some audition materials for the show. Um, and that started a year. It, it was like over the course of a year, I had three appointments. Sorry, do you think he would have accepted or you would have been on it if you hadn't asked? Would he have asked you eventually? I don't know. I really don't know, you know, um, which I think is, I guess, a testament to, I'm a big advocate for, you know, you don't know if you're going to get this moment again, so you might as well be front-footed now. Um So I'm like, I was like, you know, because the, the worst thing he can, he could have said in that moment is like, uh, you know, he could have dodged, you know. Um, but I'm like, if I didn't ask, I would have never known, potentially. Great. Yeah. Well, you've asked anyway. So <laughs> yeah. <you're on> <laughs> uh, yeah. So then like, you know, uh, I ended up auditioning at three appointments over the course of that following year. And uh, interestingly enough, they actually told me no after my last um appointment and it was it was uh disheartening i think because i had at that point um i had auditioned every male role in the show except for george washington so it's a lot of material and i was going in like and doing all of this stuff memorized and you know um and they they told me no and i was like okay you know i told my my uh manager at the time i was like you know I think at this point, if they were to come back to us and ask me to audition again, we have to tell them no, because yeah, I was just like, I, I'm unclear of what it is they would need to see more of, given the fact that I've done everything. Um, and it was also, you know, uh, a bit of a financial hit for me because I was not living in New York at the time. So every time they were asking me to audition, I was having to then find the money or borrow the money or, you know, uh, <laughs> ask to use someone's, uh, airline miles or just figure out my way to get to New York. Um, Where were you based at the time? In Texas. Okay. Texas. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was, uh, that was tricky. And I was like, I don't think I can afford to just keep doing this, uh, with, you know, very little context. Um, And so then I, you know, I, I kept doing some work down in Texas. I was doing some like choreography and direction um, work. And at the end of that summer, I was like, I mean, I don't think there's anything left for me to do here. I've kind of done it all. Like it's like I've worked all the places you can work. I've been on both sides of the table. Like, you know, um, so I was like, I guess I'm just going to go to New York and try and figure it out. And I had maybe like $800 to my name <laughs> and, you know, got myself to New York. My friend, my best friend Q um, was already here. He was at the time in Hamilton as Hercules Mulligan. Um, so I stayed on his couch and uh, yeah, it, it honestly felt like I was there for about eight months But it was in reality, because I went back and checked the, the calendar, it was about two weeks. <laughs> uh, 
And, um, but I had, I had gotten like a, you know, uh, a catering job and an event staffing job and just kind of like was trying to figure it out. Um, and yeah, two weeks in, I get a phone call in the morning and it's my manager. And he was like, Hey, which production of Hamilton do you want to be in? And I was like, I was like, what, what do you mean? You said, they said no. Like what? And, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but, uh, yeah, they were like, you know, you can either be a principal standby on, I forget which domestic tour it was, but on one of the tours, it's already in motion, or you can join the Puerto Rico production, um, which had Lin-Manuel Miranda, the creator of Hamilton as its lead character. Um, and also, like, my other best friend, Trey, was uh, going to be in that company as well. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely doing that. Like, there's no world in which it's like I get to go to Puerto Rico. I get to work with Lynn. I get to be on contract with one of my best friends in the world. How's, like, um, how's Lynn? I mean, uh, I obviously I knew his face from films and series, but I never, I never knew what he what he did and what he was doing. And until the, his dark materials did that, um, it was on iPlayer and BBC, uh, uh-huh. but did he, did he get broadcasted or like, did you, I think don't know if you watch it? it's here. I mean, yeah, I, I, I haven't, uh, watched it, but I'm, I mean, I've seen commercials for it. So I'm like, I'm certain that it plays here. Um, yeah. so I, I, I saw him and, uh, realized, oh, I'm just going to look him up and realize all the things he had done was just incredible. <laughs> He's uh he's a very busy guy. Um that that Mr. Miranda. Um yeah, he's very it's it's funny because I mean given all of the things that he has accomplished, uh he still comes off as very normal. Um I'll never forget when I first like he cuz he showed up on the first day of rehearsal for um the Hamilton production that we were in. And the way that he, <laughs> the way that he said hello was like, it was almost like he like quite literally physically made himself smaller and was just kind of like, he's like, oh, hi. Like, and like, you know, put himself below your eye level. And, and I, like, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is intentional or if this is just him or if he's trying to make everyone feel comfortable or I don't know. But um, it was such an interesting, you know, thing and then even in the process of you know rehearsing like i was like oh you're just like at least in this moment it feels like you're allowing yourself or feeling like you can just be an actor um which feels cool you know because then it feels like oh there's a there's a equal footing here um and a, and a bit of a camaraderie here that it's like, oh, we're all working towards the same thing as opposed to it being like, oh, our boss is right there and we got to kind of, you know, be on our P. It's like, oh, no, you're just like an, another another guy. Um, and yeah, and, and you continue feeling that way when you're like backstage playing Mario Kart with him or, you know, we did like a <laughs> uh, Trey and, and Lynn did a freestyle rap thing trey would just grab random objects and there's a video of it on on the internet somewhere but trey would grab random objects and uh 
you know, present them to Lynn and Lynn would have to then incorporate that into the rap that he was currently doing. Um, yeah. It was just like, you know, yeah. Just a normal dude. Yes. Yeah, um, I'd love to have him on the podcast. If, um, if you hear me, Lynn, and you're yeah. interested in being on high points. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure he would. I, don't, I mean, he's very busy, but I'm sure, you know, yeah, maybe on Instagram or Twitter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you're part of this, Puerto Rico uh, production mm -hmm. and you started how when when did that start that was uh rehearsal started in 2018 and we were yeah we were in Puerto Rico before the new year so um yeah we the that phase of the production in Puerto Rico ran the month of January uh and then we had a bit of a break and um Lynn obviously like left because he was only ever going to do the Puerto Rico production. Uh, and then we went to San Francisco and we sat down there for a year and some change, you know, maybe a year and a few months. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was uh, a cool. cool experience. Yeah. Puerto Rico was crazy, especially given hits. Lynn's involvement. And, and then COVID, COVID hit. hits. Yeah. Yeah. Just after, after. after the same. Yeah. So did you did you have to? How was it for you guys? Because obviously all the shows and theaters were closed. Yeah, I mean, um, I personally found it, um, and I mean, like, I don't want to make light of what was a very traumatic experience, global experience. Um, but I was pretty fine. Um, I had left Hamilton in. I want to say mid March, early March of 2020. And, you know, I was in LA with my partner at the time and uh, because she was going to do the LA production of Hamilton, which was like about to start up. And uh, right before their first preview performance, you know, news breaks, it's like everything's shutting down. Um, and uh, yeah, so like COVID like properly struck and, I was like, well, I was already in a headspace of going back to the grind. Like I was like, I, I'm not here with a job. I'm just here, you know? Um, and so like, I ended up writing a, a comedy pilot. Uh, and then I, I also did some like TV. I did some work on TV. Um, you know, like, I don't know, like things just sort of like came, um, which was very lucky. I mean, and you also, you know, you end up getting creative and, um, you know, graphic design has been something that, uh, has been a part of my life, uh, for a while. Mostly it was just for fun just cause I really, my, my brain is sort of tuned towards the visual. Um, but then during the pandemic, I was like, Oh, maybe I could just make this like kind of a side hustle business. Um, so I started doing graphic design for people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just to do it. Like, yeah. Um, I don't have a ton of time uh, anymore. Like at least not to take on like multiple things at, at a time. Like if it's sort of a one-off of like someone's like, hey, I need a logo or I need a, I'm like, oh yeah, I can knock that out in like a day. So yeah, COVID wasn't as hard for you as for other people. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, kind of nice uh, because I felt like I had been 
kind of like working for a long time uh, to have a bit of a break where it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about auditioning or, you know, any of the pressures that come with being an actor. Um, you know, what you look like and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, I just get a second to breathe and and kind of reevaluate and take stock of what is and what I want there to be and where we're headed, you know. So when did you, when did you leave Hamilton? When did you stop? And when did you join Lion King? Um, so production. I ended up uh, on the tail end of, of COVID. I uh, was asked to join the LA production. So I did that for, I think we were there for eight or nine months. Um, And then I uh, ended up going to New York to do a workshop of a, a new musical. And after that, immediately after, I was then uh, asked to go to Australia for six months to do Hamilton out there. So like, Hamilton's been sort of a, a, we like to call them government jobs. Uh, it's sort of those, those long-standing things that you can pop in and out of kind of at a moment's notice. Um, but... After Australia, uh, I came back here to the States because I was, you know, the workshop I had done prior to going to Australia was having an off-Broadway production here in New York. And they asked me to do it. And so, um, yeah, I was doing that show. And uh, towards the end of the run, I was really about to hit this moment of like, I'm like, you know, what's going to be next? Because, you know we're nearing the end of the run of this production and I'm like, okay, I need another job. Uh, do I go back to LA? Do I stay in New York? Like either way, I'm going to need a place to live. And if I go to LA, I need a car. Like it was like a lot of these sort of logistical life questions. And then I think it was three days before we closed the show. I get the call that I'm uh, going to be making my Broadway debut as Simba in the Lion King. And um, <laughs> yeah, and it was such a, uh, I mean, like I had auditioned for it maybe the, the two weeks prior to getting the call. Like that was my sort of audition process. Um, and I never really thought much about it, to be quite honest. Like I sent the initial self-tape And, you know, at that point in my life, I was like, you know, like auditions are just a part of the the thing, you know, so thinking too deeply about them, I guess just wasn't in the cards for me. Like I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to film this audition and send it off and go to work. And then just like, you know, there's so much other stuff to do. How, how so, often do you need to do an audition and or how many auditions do you need to do? Do you just need to turn them out? Like to get, more? well, I mean like they come in all the time. Uh, so And you can pick and choose which ones you want to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, because like I, my agents would probably tell you that it's like there's quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of things that I say no to um, if I don't feel aligned with the, you know, character or the writing or, or just like I kind of like, you know, judge what is there. And, and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound like something that I want to, you know, uh, sign on for. Um, and, and thusly I won't audition for it because I'm like, I don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, 
So like auditions are a pretty regular occurrence. Like, you know, uh, there's not really a set number that you have to do, but you know, uh, that's the only way you're going to get a job is by auditioning or else someone's going to directly offer you a thing, which is you have to put a bit of work in to get to that stage. Um, but yeah, I had sent that initial video and was just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, and I mean, like I, I was, uh, at a show with my current uh, partner and for some reason at the end of the performance, I turned to her and I was like, before the end of the year, I'm going to be on someone's Broadway stage. And I don't know, I don't know why I felt that way. Like, and she was like, okay. A few days later, I get a call back for Lion King. Um, that goes really well. Uh, and then, you know, in that callback, you know, we, we sing, we dance, uh, we do some scenes, we try on Simba's mask. Um, and then they took me aside and they were like, so you're going to come back in tomorrow for Julie Taymor, who's the original director of Lion King and the vice president of Disney theatrical. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Um, and, uh, I came in the next day, you know, that goes well. They were like, all right, you know, are we done with Vincent? And Julie was like, for now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> what do like, you mean? okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, because in that, in that, uh, final callback they kind of put me through the ringer. Like I was like, you know, I sang the song like four times in a row. And then it's like, you do the dance twice and you're doing the, and it was just like, they, I was in there for probably a good 20, 25 minutes had to be. Um, and so, yeah, then I had like one more, it was like a work session basically with the music team just to kind of like check in about some things, but they were very clear about it. They were like, this is very, you know, casual. And I think I realized, uh, just prior to walking in, uh, for that particular, you know, session, I looked around and I was like, there's nobody else here. And, and I was like, I, I'm not going to read too much into that. Cause I'm like, maybe they scheduled it so that, you know, there wasn't overlap and we wouldn't see whatever. Um, but I was like, there's somebody else here and they're telling me this is very casual. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay. So I do it. It goes well. Um, and then, yeah, then I was just like, went back to doing my off Broadway show and, um, yeah, like I said, it was, it was, uh, three days before we closed the show, two days before my birthday. Um, and it was like, Hey, you know, <laughs> my agents, I realized I had a missed call from my agents and I was like, Oh, I'll, I'll call them back, call back. And, and they were like, Hey, we've got everybody on the line. I was like, okay, <laughs> I want you to hear something. I was like, all right. And they, it was a moment of silence, and then it just goes, and and I was like, wait. And they're like, you're going to be the next symbol in the Lion King of Broadway. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. So crazy. You know, like, my first thought was like, are they really going to let me do this? Because um, <laughs> it felt like I somehow, you know, uh, snuck in there. It was very surreal. Um 
Because, like, you know, I've, I've said this many times before, but you work towards something for, at the time, like just over a decade. And in the span of, and yeah, in the span of a short phone call, it's like, oh, and now it's yours, and here you go. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Um, what do I do now? Cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> all right, now we got to, like, sort of, like, figure out what the next thing is. That's cool. Um, how did you feel? Like, did you... Do you feel like it's mission accomplished or you felt maybe a mix of everything? You feel like, um, do you really um, want me to be Simba? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like, honestly, I think my, you know, my, the way my spirit works is that I uh, couldn't rest too long on the like, magnitude of it or the what you know it's like oh it's broadway it's you're leading that i couldn't i couldn't invest too much in that that just doesn't that's just not who i am um so my brain immediately went to what i know which is like the work you know so it's like okay i want to do some research into uh you know traditional african masks and what they mean and the the you know cultural uh, background of them. I want to do some research into lions. I mean, like, uh, so <laughs> is seem... that something that you wanted to do or you got told to do? Um, it's not something that was told to do. Like no one, you know, uh, in an actor's career, no one can make you do anything. Um, yeah. So I was like, Oh, great. Like, you know, uh, I, my feeling was always that when I debuted on Broadway, I didn't, I wanted it to be in a very specific way, right? So I'm like, oh yeah, if I'm going to land here, I I would like to land here in a capacity that is not easily overlooked, um, or you know, uh, and thank God, I mean, like that's you know what has happened is that you know it's like oh I'm you know a relatively young guy, and the first thing I'm doing on Broadway is. Uh, playing Simba in the most commercially successful show of all time. Um, I'm like, oh yeah, that feels right. Did you have a lot of press articles written as soon as you got accepted? Or did they come later? Did you do any shows? Um, you... They came later. So it was uh, several months before the announcement came out. Um, several months. <laughs> um yeah, and it was Playbill and Broadway.com and like a bunch of various other, you know, um, the ma- mostly theatrical like publication uh, outlets, uh, which were sort of talking about it. And then, like, you know, obviously I posted on Instagram and, you know, everybody kind of. And then uh, early into my process of rehearsing, you know, I met with the press team at Disney and then that sort of spawned a couple of you know, oh, can you do this interview here and this little, you know, online Q&A thing here? And um, yeah, yeah. So like that was a bit of Can you a do bit this of that. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so there, you know, it's uh, one of the interesting things about, I think, finding myself in this position is, I mean, Matt Damon talked about this uh, at one point, but he was like, you know, people... He's like, you know, sometimes he's like, you know, you you reach a certain level of success and people will say like, oh, like, you know, you've changed, man, you've changed. And he's like, there's no like 
micro change for me at all. It's just a, a sort of macro change of how the world around me shifts in relation to what it is that I'm now doing. Um, so like that was a, that was a bit of a, uh, adjustment and it's by no means am I, you know, suggesting that I'm like famous or anything like that. Like I'm not, but, um, just, I, I noticed energetically when I would enter a room, uh, whether that be in my personal life or professional life, I was like, Oh, I am being allowed to take up more space because of my job. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, and I, 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 I never lead any interaction with like my resume. Like I'm like, I, I don't care about that kind of thing. Um, but you know, like I'd be at like a friend's, you know, party or something and we're just all mingling and chit chatting and, then someone, you know, is like, oh, also, you know, Vincent, he's Simba in The Lion King. And I can literally feel the room go like, and just like, just kind of shift just slightly. And everyone's like, you know, <sighs> we're going to, yeah, we're going to clear the space so that you can talk. You have the floor, like this whole is court or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm truly, and I've said this since <laughs> I started rehearsals. I was like, I'm an actor with a job. That, that is it. You know, I'm like, there is, I, I I don't find much different between, because I mean, at least again, like for me, I'm like, I'm the exact same person I was before I got this job as I am after getting this job. I'm like, there's nothing different for me. It's amazing. And I, I, I confirm because man, you've, you've just replied to me straight away when I contacted you. And very quickly, we organized a, a chat. And during our chat, it was the quickest chat I've ever had for high points. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's do it. What, yeah. let's, let's just record. And it's, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you could have just, just completely ignored me first. Or just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing that you've got this, this personality and you don't change from that. Um, I wonder, is it, it's probably due to the, down to your education that's always been remembering uh, uh, yeah i mean i think you know uh it's a mixture of yeah it's a mixture of like my parents you know uh humility was something that they always instilled in us and just like tried to you know communicate the importance of that um and i would hope that i took that on uh fairly well and um and in addition to that i'm like i've been in situations where I felt like, oh, you are too cool for me. Or, you know, it's like, oh, you feel like because of whatever job it is you have currently or whatever your resume says that like there's some sort of like level that you're on that I'm not. And like, it's just like those sort of really uncomfortable um scenarios where I'm like, Oh, I, yeah, I'm just really, I don't enjoy this. <laughs> um, I'm like, I know what that feels like. And I'm like, Oh, I would never want to put anyone in that situation ever. I'm like, we, we can be because we quite frankly are just people like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, really? I, <laughs> yeah. It's like, cause also I'm like, I think it's important as actors that we don't put our, 
worth into what we do. Like I'm like, the fact that I'm Simba does not cause my value to increase as a human being at all. I'm like, I'm, I'm worth as much with this job as I was without, as I will be after. It's all the same. And the same is true for everybody else. I'm like, I don't care if you've not been on Broadway. I don't care if you've been in every movie and TV show and Broadway show on the planet. I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, you're a person, they're a person. That's it. That's really, that's truly it. We're just people. Big respect to you for that. Because we know every, everybody's not like this. Um, because it's, it's also really easy to be dismissive. It's, it's too easy to be when you get a bit of success, success mm-hmm. or lights on you and importance. Um, yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. for a lot of people, I would imagine that it's, it's because someone has probably done that to them, which then probably gave them like a chip on their shoulder or some sort of whatever. And whether unconsciously or not, there's an inclination to, you know, return the favor. And so it's like, oh, like when I'm in that you know space, I'm going to look at the people who doubted me or look at the whatevers and kind of turn my note. And it's like, or not. This, I've got a few interesting facts that um, I would like to co- you to comment, but there's one um, that says there's apparently five to six African uh, dialects spoken or sung in a, in a show. Did you have to learn any of them or have uh, any non- well, knowledge about them? <laughs> so, uh, interestingly enough, Simba, I the only... I think I only say one word, not in English. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I didn't have to learn any anything in that regard. And do you, do you have to do any cardio uh, training on this? I presume, yes. I mean, um, so the, the rehearsal process kind of was the cardio training. Um, okay. Yeah, because they, in actuality... Uh, I come on in the last like 30 seconds of act one. Then there's, you know, 15 minute intermission. Then there's about another 20 minutes or so in act two before I come back on. And then from that point on, I'm just like going. Um, and so in rehearsal, they would just cut out all that middle section. So I would go straight from my first entrance and then blast through the rest of my track uh, and you know, like oftentimes we'd be running the show twice in a day, sometimes maybe three times, you know, um, and you know, like, and then, yeah, at a certain point it's like, oh, we're doing that with, you know, all the singing, all the blocking, all the choreography, like everything. Um, and so it's like, it's kind of like doing a 45 minute hour, uh, CrossFit, you know, because every time you enter the stage, you're, you know, it's like, oh, you run and you jump and then you throw somebody and then you swing on a vine. And then it's just like, there's always something happening and you have, let me see. I think it's like, uh, I have maybe like three opportunities to get water. So that's also part of it is that you, you know, you have to 
uh, figure out, you know, how do I sing this stuff <laughs> when the last sip of water I had was 15 minutes ago? How hard is it to sing in tune while <laughs> exercising or out of breath? I don't find it particularly hard. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that's because of potentially the work I did before I started. And I guess maybe my own uh, commitment to doing the thing well. Like I'm like, oh, if I, if I can't currently do it with excellence, I will figure it out. Um, yeah, just because I'm like, that's, that's, that's the gig. You know, um, I, I think that it's when we do what we do well, it's supposed to look easy. So yeah, I'm like, and, and also I think that, um, the only way we can do what we do to the best of our ability is from a place of ease. So you know, I'm like, yeah, like figure out how to find the ease and invest in the ease. Um, and then, you know, uh, when people see you on stage and they're like, ah, oh, it just looks like so easy. It's like, well, because I've worked really hard and practiced a lot to make sure that that's the case. <laughs> yeah. I've got a massive respect for, for people like you or just all these, these artists, you just don't realize they do a proper workout when they're doing a concert and also they sing <laughs> maybe with some autotune. Um, but, um, you know, they, did you see those, um, documentaries, uh, about Lady Gaga and, uh, Beyonce? And, I haven't, um, I haven't actually watched, uh, um, at least not Beyonce's well. recent one. Yeah. So, um, the one that struck me the most was um, Lady Gaga. It's just incredible how much work she wants to do during the concerts and she sings uh, during yeah. the concerts, which is like, and then no, way, um, no wonder why she just completely breaks down after that because it's, it's just really physically exhausted and she has to do that multiple times. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, how, how often do you have a performance um we do on broadway we do the show eight times a week so uh monday is our day off and then um yeah uh we have two shows on saturday and sunday uh so it's yeah it's a pretty intense schedule that's um, really intense <laughs> yeah uh but you know it's uh it really is a privilege um you know, I've, I've had many encounters with people who've seen the show uh, that have sort of just reconfirmed for me the importance of what it is that we do, you know, because I'm like, part of the reason why, to me, um, there's no world in which we can go halfway is because, uh, you know, on any particular night, this performance right here, right now is someone's first show. And as I've, you know, encountered, uh, someone's last, likely last show. Um, we've had a few people that came to the show with like a, you know, who have come to the show with a terminal illness and, you know, we've gotten to speak to them and, uh, share a moment with them after the show. And it's just like, you know, you're sort of, um, 
caught up in how profound that is that someone with such limited time has decided to spend roughly two and a half hours here in a theater with you watching this show. And I'm like, yeah, given that they don't know and we don't know if they're going to get to see something else after this. If that's, if that is the legacy that I have the opportunity to leave with them is one of like, again, memorable or unforgettable. I want to be in this camp um, because I owe it to them. I owe it to all the people that have poured into me leading up to this point, you know, uh, who are still pouring into me. Um, that's a lot of investment from a lot of people for me to squander just because I'm tired, you know, and obviously we're all human. We're all human. You know, like there's going to be moments where we sort of, uh, dip, but I think it's the, the endeavor, you know, always reaching for that thing as opposed to deciding that, well, because I'm tired, I'm not going to even reach for it. I'm just going to kind of, yeah. you know, just got an like, incredible mindset, mate. It's amazing. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. It's great. Uh, how, um, how can you express yourself and your own personality in the room? Is there any room for that or is it really set and uh, I want to say rigid in a way? I mean, it's a very, it's a very specific show, uh, stylistically, you know, and it's been running for 26 years. So like, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, um, yeah, I think I've managed to find some colors in there that, uh, felt important to me to highlight, you know, uh, and also that just felt resonant to me. Um, you know, like there's lots of talk about ancestry and legacy and, um, faith and those are things, uh, yeah, are of, of great importance to me. I've, I've recently learned more about my family tree, which was really humbling. And can you talk a little bit about it? Yeah. Um, I mean, like my, I went down to Texas for a week in December just to visit family really, and sort of have a pre Christmas Christmas moment with them because, uh, on a Broadway schedule, it's impossible to have that. Um, and so I went to my grandpa's house and he had all of these, you know, books of just our family tree and, and history And so it does something to you to learn that at least our, our oldest ancestor on record predates the founding of America, you know, like that's, yeah, you're just kind of like, oh, there's a real, and when you think about that and then the number of people, you know, I mean, and like, especially given that I'm like, I'm, I'm a black man in America as well. So the number of people that had to navigate and survive and, you know, overcome so many things for me to exist at all is monumental, let alone for me to exist in a space where I can also pursue and achieve my dreams. I mean, come on, like, You know, uh, and so there's a lyric in the show where, you know, it's like, oh, they live in you. They live in me. They're watching over everything we see. And 
yeah, that just lands in your spirit in a different way when you understand how far back that connectivity goes. Um, and even, you know, in, in seeing home videos that my parents had, many of which I hadn't seen, was also wild, you know, to look at videos of yourself <laughs> and, uh, you know, me at the age of, I think in one video, it was my first Christmas. So I was maybe eight months old. And then, you know, you watch that and you watch like yourself at the age of, I think it was my fourth or fifth birthday. And just like the things you can see in that human and and realizing that, oh, also like that child you know, they live in you. That child is one of those people that lives in you. And like that, uh, you know, to be able to talk to that kid and be like, hey, you know, one day (laughs) all of these things are going to happen. You're going to do all of these, you know, um, you're going to touch all these people is really profound and just, uh, yeah. Yeah. And just highlighting that. Have you got any kids? No. 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 Um, having kids adds another layer of this. Oh, I can only imagine. Um, and um, you just understand yourself even better. Um, mm. I have a daughter and a, and a boy, and um, they. So she's nearly five in a few days, huh. um, and uh, she's she's got she's got a very I feel like she's got a very unique personality. She, it's not like me or my wife, um, but she's helped me understand why I was acting in a certain way or why um, I was I was in I had that personality because there's a bit of me in her. Um, but even even more in my son is just incredible. Like, I feel like he's a mini me, and I can understand myself <laughs> through him. It's very, those two relationships are amazing because you've got very different relationship with each child. It's not the same relationship. Uh, but I can also be very. Sometimes I feel sorry for him, or I feel sorry for myself being him having been him a few years ago and be realizing, oh, that's why I wanted this. Oh, yeah. why I was acting yeah. a certain way. So maybe you learn, well, maybe by watching those videos, maybe that has put some light on. on yeah. Your yeah. Like a, a living retrospective, you know, uh, crazy. It's really crazy. Um, but also like so grounding to carry those things with you and to know like the stock that you come from in the lion king is there anything i mean is how how old are you 28 okay i'm 35 um it's obviously i i was nearly born or i grew up with the lion king and it's i've been completely traumatized by i don't know i don't know about you <laughs> traumatized in different ways like it's been yeah, traumatized yeah. positively and traumatized uh, negatively um, but there's so many lessons that you get out of it. What do you get out of The Lion King? Is there any particular lessons? I would say a big part of it, to me, is about self-acceptance. And um, 
in in a number of ways. I mean, because you know, I think that Simba is very much not like his father as much as he would love to be. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, you know, there is that regal underpinning to him, that sense of responsibility and duty that, uh, resides in his person. And so I think that at the end of the show, largely it's about Simba reconciling both parts you know, the, cause it's like, yeah, I'm not my dad. I'm not. And that's okay. <laughs> I don't need to be. Uh, I am still kingly and regal and, you know, worthy uh, without being a carbon copy of what came before. Um, and that the qualities that are intrinsic to me are also of use and and serviceable in that way. Um, yes, yeah, so there's like a, a, a reconciliation that I think I've also found in myself is, yeah, just, uh, you know, the way people see me for good or ill. <laughs> um, and, you know, who I know myself to be and just allowing all of those things to exist at the same time um, without feeling a pressure to editorialize. I've had loads of different ways of seeing the Lion King. And um, obviously there's loads of happiness in it and realizing mm. that Timon Pumbaa is so important for just, just by singing, you can cheer up a bit. Of, but um, at the moment, it's just crazy. There's so many stories you hear in the news and you live that the the role of Scar, it seems like it's a, it's a warning for, for you, for people, for, uh, that there's, there will be people who will play a role, who will be very influential in your life and, um, will, will just, they, but they will be found out at some point, mm, mm. but they, they won't be honest with anybody and they will play a role of, um, and they will have their game, a uh, hidden game for themselves, but they play, um, they put on a different, on a different mask in public, but they eventually always get found out. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When I was doing some research about, about you and the Lion King as well, our thoughts, God, it's just striking out. Scars. We're going to find some scars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scars. With, have uh, to live with some scars. <laughs> the thing I find most interesting, actually, about Scar, as it pertains to Simba, is that uh, in the text, in the script, um, there are a lot of lines that Scar and Simba say that mirror each other. And it's like, oh, like. You know, Scar said something kind of similar to what Simba is saying uh, in Act One. You know, there's like a there's a there's a connectivity there that I also think is is um, interesting because again, when you talk about sort of reconciling all the parts of yourself um, so that you can be of service 
to your community and the world. I'm like, that's part of it. Is that not only does you know Mufasa and all the kings prior live in Simba, but also like a bit of Scar as well. I'm like Scar was one of your influences as a child. You hung out with him on occasion. Obviously, we only see a couple of scenes in you know the show or the movie, but um, you know I'm like it's not like he was never around. So there are some pieces that linger. I'm like even I think the the murderous intent with which Simba approaches Scar at the end of the show is a bit of that. You know, Scar's like, uh, he's like, oh, you wouldn't kill your uncle, would you? And Simba's like, no, like, I'm not like you. But I'm like, but he, in that moment, I think recognizes it like, oh, no, there is actually a piece of this man in me. Or else I wouldn't even be here right now. And I think that that also is a really interesting, I mean, if you apply it to humanity, you know, I'm like, uh, I, I would say that I would, I would venture to say no one really has a stone th- to throw most of the time because the reality is that any one of us could be as good or as bad as the next person. Um, and with that understand, with that understanding, there's, I think, a bit of uh, perspective to be allotted, a bit of, in some cases, grace to be allotted. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, again, having, having kids makes you realize there's, there are, bits of Scar and bits of Simba. Everybody's got some Simba and some Scar in, in themselves. And it's just education makes one of the characters stand out more than the other. Oh, how philosophical is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, last, last questions, because um, it's been an hour and a half now. I don't want to take more of your time, but uh, and it shows how approachable you are again. Uh, oh, thanks. There's um, some interesting facts. Um, well, two of them, I don't think you have any comments, but it's been running since 1997. I didn't realize that. I thought it was much more recent than this. Oh, no, no. <laughs> and there's been 110 million people who have seen it. Crazy. Um, I'm not part of these people. <laughs> I will be at some point. Yes, you will be. Yeah, I'm, I'm in London or somewhere else. Maybe in, in New York. <laughs> um. 232 puppets uh, for the show. How How is it in the in the backstage? Oh, it's a well-ordered machine. I mean, you know, they've been doing this show for 26 years, so uh, they've got it down to a science. You know, it's uh, as much choreography as there is on stage. There's choreography in equal measure backstage. So, um, yeah, you know, there's Things are hung up in the rafters and they come down when they're needed. And then we've got a bunch of uh, very lovely crew members who are making sure everyone is has what they need, you know, to do what they need to do on stage, uh, including puppets and makeup and costumes and all of it. Um, it's a real <laughs> team sport. 37,000 hours it took to create the, 
the puppets and the masks. Which is insane. Wow. Well, I mean, 232 puppets. Yeah. So, no wonder. Yeah. How, how, um, how heavy is, is yours, is your mask? Well, so I only have the mask, um, thank God. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's not crazy heavy. It's made of carbon fiber, so um, it looks wooden, but it's maybe at most like probably two pounds. It's it's not much yet. Oh yeah, and there's for the North American touring production, there's eighteen trucks that transports everything. I, but I presume it. it always happens in the same theaters or same venues. Um, I mean, on here on Broadway, yeah, we're we're in one spot. Uh, on tour, though, they yeah move around uh, a bunch. I mean, eighteen tracks is mass. Is it's just so yeah. much. I don't think yeah. they probably don't arrive at the same time. They arrive at different times because you can't have 18 trucks in a loading bay. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I haven't been on the tour ever, so uh, I don't know a ton about it. But um, from my experience with Hamilton, my understanding is that, uh, you know, there's a certain amount that goes ahead of the cast. So it's just kind of like always you know, that touch and go kind of thing. Like we, the crew goes ahead and they set everything up and, uh, you know, put the stage together and whatever. And then the actors arrive and then the show run begins and they do the performances. And then when it's like, you know, we're done in this city, it's like the crew packs everything up. Usually it happens as the show is going on. So, you know, if it's our final performance in, Minneapolis um, as the show progresses the props and things we've already used that we no longer need that's already getting packed up so by the end of the show a fair bit of things are like ready to be on the truck and you know on to the next interesting what's your favorite parts of the show or song and song um I love <laughs> it's not even my song. Um, Shadowland, I think, is such a brilliantly constructed number. Uh, it's so satisfying. And um, yeah, it's just beautiful. You know, there's, uh, there's real heart to it and struggle. And um, yeah, the music is gorgeous. Yeah, Shadowland. And uh, what's your what are your plans for the future? Obviously, obviously you, I don't want to put in, you in the wrong spot. I mean, I I'm like I mentioned before. I'm working on music. Uh, I've got a single I'll release in the next couple months. Um, it's probably about eighty percent done right now. There's just a, some final tiny things to add. Um, cool. Are you already on Spotify? I can uh, no, 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 not you. yet. No, oh, okay. but I will be. Okay, stay tuned. Um, uh, yeah, I'm doing a workshop of a new musical starting next week. Uh, it's something I was a part of last year in May um, that I'm returning to keep working on, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, outside of that, I'm like, you know, who who knows? Who knows? I'm. Uh, I'm open. 
yeah, what's great about those the job of an artist, and you know, people probably don't know, and also being independent or freelance is that you don't just have one job. You've got multiple projects and jobs going on everywhere. Yeah. Kind of have to. And it's, <laughs> yeah, you have to. But also it's, it's what exciting and uh, because it's things you, you do things you like and you can choose a little bit more or not because you need to put food on the table as well sometimes or pay your bills. But um, yeah, no, it's great. Well, thank you, man. Thank you very much for that. Um, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Hundred one hour and forty minutes. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and uh all the best and um yeah, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>